Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast coming up on this episode. Zwift changes its mind on hiding weight and height and promises more collaboration with the community. Can our game work in prisons to bring purpose and discipline to inmates? An intriguing experiment in Belgium is about to find out. And reflecting on a year, a little bit more than a year actually, in lockdown with the human who belongs to Labradors, Olive and Mabel, better known as Keen Zwifter, Andrew Cotter. Well, exactly 10,449 miles from me is my fine Australian friend Shane Miller, and merely 3,794 miles away is my American good buddy Nathan Guerra. Now, audio on the internet travels at roughly half the speed of light, I'm reliably informed, which means that on this mark, by the time these boys hear that, Tom Pidcock probably lost a race. That lad needs to ride on 38mm tyres, I think, Shane. Good day, mate. <laughs> that was close. That was very, very close. But I tell you what, it's been brilliant to catch all the racing in recent weeks of both the men's and the women's pelotons, providing some excellent entertainment in what's been an otherwise pretty bland world of racing over the last 12 months. So, yeah, I've been glued to the television. It's been great. Uh, bike racing has never been better, actually. Uh, what a fantastic generation of riders is, is coming through such exciting talents. But we thought calculating the winner in Zwift racing was hard, Nathan. Yo, dude, by the way. Uh, UCI regs, page 41, section 1.2.100, say the finish is at the instant that the tyre of the front wheel meets the vertical plane rising from the starting edge of the finish line. To this end, the verdict of the photo finish shall be final. And we thought it was just a chalk line on the road, eh? <laughs> well, isn't that just another way of saying chalk line on the road? Like it's a technical way of putting jargon around like the vertical plane rising from the starting edge, so a chalk line on the road. I think it is, actually. I think it's also another way of saying that it's our photo, and if it's our photo, we decide the winner, then that's it. No, no further arguments. <laughs> but I, I, as, as I was saying, in the new generation of really, really exceptional riders, I mean, Tom Pickock looks, looks you know, even more exceptional. Uh, he is actually from my neck of the woods, you know, boys. He went to my kid's school, and his dad lives literally around the corner from me. So that's my claim to fame. And uh, Jay Vine, we must also mention here. The former Zwift Academy winner is now riding for Alperson Phoenix, and he placed second in GC in the Tour of Turkey. Now, that's a UCI Pro Series rather than the World Tour. And, of course, it was a certain Mark Cavendish that grabbed all the headlines. But that's a fantastic result from the uh, for, for the boy from Canberra, Shane. Yeah, absolutely. He's going very, very well. It's good to see, good to watch. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's um, uprooted himself and his wife and moved over to make something of it. And to get a result this soon, it's fantastic to see. So we, we can't, uh, can't wait to see what's coming up. Yeah, yeah. No, he's very, very promising rider. Very promising rider. And I believe he's... Uh, I believe he lives in, in Girona, a uh, place which listeners will know I have some connection with. So um, I might hunt him down over there when I eventually manage to get back. Uh, let's sit on that the better. Anyway, as we're on the subject, let's lead off with racing as we leave IRL and head for Pixel Worlds. Now, normally I keep racing matters kind of fairly down the running order of the Zwiftcast because some people are interested, but certainly not everybody is. 
in fact, a minority of Swifters race, and that's quite a small minority. But we're going to start this episode with racing because what I think is a first and an important first at that, Zwift has reversed a decision it took after a huge backlash from the community. Now, I can't recall HQ doing this before, and I do wonder if it heralds something of a change in approach. So before we discuss that, and indeed the whole fraught issue itself, let's provide a little context. A couple of weeks ago, myself, Shane, Nathan and Eric from Zwift Insider got an email from HQ saying they were going to do two things, both in the cause of further promotion of the well-being of the community. They were going to hide people's height and weight on Zwift Power, and they were going to beef up the flagging tool used to let HQ know about potential harassment or abusive behaviour. To be honest, I focused on the flagging thing and welcomed it. I'd recently come across a really scary case of harassment suffered by a female Swifter and I'd brought it to HQ's attention. So it was really good to see this measure being taken and the whole issue being taken very seriously. I registered the hiding height weight thing and thought it might cause a ripple in the Zwift racing pond, but not much more. How wrong I was. Essentially, the racing community went ballistic. Jonathan Crane spends a lot of time Swift racing, and he made some good points in a YouTube video. For the vast majority of Swifters, Jonathan felt that it simply wasn't an issue. I think weight and height no longer being public on Zwift makes a lot of sense. I think when you opt into Zwift, it shouldn't automatically be displaying your weight and height data for everyone. Who cares? Most people on Zwift are just there to ride around, do a workout, see some friends, whatever. But for Jonathan, racing is an entirely different kettle of fish. There's always a perception that everyone on Zwift is cheating. I was getting a bike fit last week and the fitter asked me, hey, you've been doing a lot of that Zwift racing. Isn't everyone cheating? And I told him, sure, some people are cheating on Zwift, but by and large, we're trying to be as transparent as we possibly can and trusting that others are doing the same. This move might blow up that trust to some degree. Why would it do that? Well, that's because that monitoring other riders' height and weight, particularly for sudden changes, is just about the only tool available to the community to police itself. And in the absence of external tools for compliance with racing regulations, that's all we've got. This is what I'm getting at. Rather than fixing a problem They're taking away the evidence that a problem exists. They recognize that there's a perception that people are cheating on Zwift, and rather than address that cheating or increase transparency or something, what they're doing is removing the evidence that people might be cheating. Might work in theory, but I think we're probably going to see more berating because everyone is always going to assume everyone else is cheating. Now, one guy on YouTube, no matter how respected a member of the racing community, is just one guy on YouTube. But Jonathan's was not the only voice. There was an avalanche of complaints in Zwift racing forums. And much of it was focused around the point Jonathan made. We don't mind if, in the cause of discouraging unhealthy attitudes to weight and eating, Zwift takes away visibility of this data, but they must replace it with something that helps the Zwift racing community to police cheating. 
And the upshot of those thoughts was that Zwift was not being seen by the community to be supporting community racing. Some of the more extreme views suggested it was a signal that Zwift had abandoned support completely for community racing which can stick in the craw when the company capitalises so hard on racing in marketing the platform. Eric Slanger, editor of Zwift Insider, and not a man given to hyperbole, told me he'd never seen a more angry reaction to a change initiated by the company, ever. Well, Zwift was listening, and within a few days had rode back on the decision. Uh, Okay, well, there's a few things to unpick here. Let's start with intentions. Zwift intentions here were good. Um, They have temporarily reversed that, and we'll get into this in a minute, but this is only a temporary reversal. They still want to do this, and the reason they want to do it is because they're opposed to bullying and harassment. But then who isn't opposed to bullying and harassment? You know, who isn't in support of motherhood and apple pie so that all that stuff i suppose goes without saying the second part of the changes beefing up of the flagging slash reporting system for harassment abuse or bullying is really really welcome and zwift deserve great credit for this and unfortunately that aspect has got slightly overwhelmed in the in the first aspect which was banning height and weight reporting but onto that first part Um, It was a bit of a mess, this, and it has now thankfully been remedied. So taking things one by one, the decision to reverse more accurately, perhaps pause, was the word that was used. uh, And that was accompanied by a sort of pledge to involve the racing community in what was called a collaborate effort. Shane, they got it wrong. They listened. They changed their mind. What's not to like? Uh, what's not to like? Well, why they didn't consult the community in the first place is what's not to mm. like. They they made a decision. They took a massive PR hit on this one, and they had to backpedal. But regardless of their position now, that's a bridge burnt with the community. And there's an element of execution here that I think people were upset about. It set a precedent. So let's hope it's only a once-off for this one. A, a good point. I, I sort of might disagree that it was a bridge burnt because I think the racing community, Nathan, has recognised that their voice now has some influence and that they can influence Swift and that they ought to be listened to, listened to, and the things they say may actually have some value. So maybe it could even improve that relationship. Yeah, the response I saw um, from a glance from the racing community was, was right on Swift. And I think that has something to do with this hasn't really happened before. On this side, where like a feature or a change that's really specific to a, a specific part of Zwift um, that was already planned in roadmap, and they were like, "Oh, we're not going to go there because the community responded this way," and it was that quick. I feel like the response was was um, timely, you know. And I think that was part of the like, "Oh wow, they're paying attention to what we're saying." And it was really, really fast. Awesome. Let's see what happens now. Yeah, yeah. And, and there is. Some evidence, I think it will be known by the time the podcast is published, uh, Zwift are considering another little minor change, and it looks like they're going to they're going to consult the community before before pushing ahead with that. That that will become um, obvious in, in in coming days. So maybe they will start collaborating a little more with the community and giving the community a real voice in decisions. And if they do, um, really really welcome. But 
back to the original decision because, it, you know, <laughs> how often have we talked about it? But we continue to talk about it because there are some people who get lots of pleasure from racing on Zwift and they want it to be seen as uh, as fair and credible as, as possible. So, Shane, hiding weight and height on Zwift power. I mean, good idea or not? Uh, my take on this is that Zwift should give this access to those who need to know only. And for me, that's mm. vetted race organizers. Give them the tools to deal with this. But as for the general public, no. And my reasoning is this. If some Joe public wants to track my height and my weight and play Scooby-Doo detective, knock themselves out. Go for your life. If you want to do that to my wife and track her weight and height, you're a creep. And it just, there's no need for the general public to have access to this information at all for that reason. But even then, look, cheaters in-game affect the outcomes of the races. So my question is, how does disqualifying somebody after the race make things fairer? It doesn't. It just changes the names on a list that's happened after the fact. And even then, where does this end? Like, what about knowing when someone's last on a spin down on their trainer? What about if they've never zeroed their power meter before? What yeah, brand of power yeah. meter are they on? Uh, how about if they scale their power meter to read high? If you're after fair and equal competition, it's not there yet. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's a Pandora's box of horrors. And I, th I think the point you make there is a good one, is that the because we have so few tools, and I'll come on to that in a minute, Nathan, but because we have so few tools, the community has to be its own police force. But you're quite right. Why does the entire community have to be vigilantes? You know, in real life, we appoint uh, boys and girls and give them a uniform um, to stop people doing things we don't like. Uh, and the same could apply, I guess, to just granting... Uh, access to that information to, as you say, the people who need it, which is race organiser. Uh, excellent point, I think. Nathan, I think the problem with this is that they took away, and they did acknowledge this, to be fair to them, but they took away one of the very few tools that the community has to police, uh, to self-police cheating, which is fine if you, when you take away with one hand, you, you give with the other, which they didn't. These, these things that people have been doing and the way that they've been thinking about them and the brands of race organizers that exist in the community and how they police their communities and how they've built rapport amongst their community of racers, it's before there was a Zwift ID with a Zwift power to even be there in some ways. Like, And it slowly developed over time. And they're like, we did this. And now you're taking that away because, and, and you're like, well, what are you going to do now? Because we, what? Like, are you taking over everything or are you going to keep relying on us? Like now we're just stuck and now we're going to be the bad guy still like, wait, huh? You know, so it's kind of like either you remove the community organizers altogether and you take over racing everywhere, or you got to give them, leave them with the tools they made or give them something else. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, let's let's move on from this. I mean, I, I do think we need to keep it in proportion. Whilst there was outrage in the racing community, actually, most Swifters couldn't actually give a flying fig. But to me, that's not really the point. Is Zwift going to do all it can uh, to support a credible or as credible as it can be, given those many restrictions and constraints which Shane listed uh, very accurately? But is it going to support as credibly as it can community racing? Well, let's hope it does, you know, because to a lot of people, it it, it still matters. Uh, and for that, we need action at a company level, the present system, weigh-ins aside, and they've got their own problems. But the, 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 the present system of races scrutinizing other races' sudden changes in weight or height is, 
what should we say, suboptimal. Uh, we've been told a better system is on in its way, but as with just about all things with this indoor season, with one or two small exceptions, it's been status quo, when what we need is a bit more hop, hop, hop. Um, all things I hope to take up with the company's new chief product officer in a big sit-downs with cast interview. Uh, that actually is in the process of being arranged, and I'll bring you news when I have it. Okay, let's whip quickly around some other Zwifty stuff. It's now a one-click solution to making the heads-up display vanish magically. Uh, This is a new feature in the game, although it's been available as a hack forever. But being part of the game officially will make it much, much more accessible to Zwifters. And as with the recent change to pack dynamics, there are two aspects to this. Uh, One, cosmetic. which will help both users and Zwift marketing, and one more slanted towards user experience and performance in that a clean display does make for really interesting racing experiences and even competitive group ride experiences, actually. Uh, Wes Salmon, Senior Games Dude, explained both aspects. I think it'll make you a more aware racer of how the pack dynamics work in the game and how avatars react when uh, the person riding that avatar does something like tries to sprint away. You'll start to recognize some of the traits of of how the avatars move through the world. You'll start noticing that cadence is something that you can use as a signal to understand when someone is about to attack or not. Especially when they stand up on the bike, you know they're attacking even before their numbers go orange in your riders nearby list if you were to be uh, looking at that, that UI. Most people don't necessarily know that you can turn off some of the display at the end of your ride for screenshots you may have taken, uh, but that's kind of hard to do and it's not very discoverable. What this will allow you to do is that when you take your screenshot with the display turned off, it's gonna be a beautiful screen. It's gonna be a visual that you can really enjoy. And one of the other things that's really cool about taking your selfies is that it gives people the opportunity to explore some of our camera views. A lot of people don't realize that we have some really great camera views that are not necessarily third person or first person. Right on! Uh, Shane, who doesn't want a better selfie? Yeah, absolutely. We've been, but we've been doing that for a while with the hide HUD option on the screenshot right at the end there. There's a little tip that I've covered back in uh, February 2020, it was, just over a year ago, that when you're presented with the end screen on Zwift, it's got those automated screen grabs, you can click the little stats icon on those images and hide the, the heads-up display anyway from those images. Whenever you take a screenshot on Zwift, it takes two screenshots, one with the HUD and one without. This just makes it a little easier though. Press H on the keyboard or use the little menu down below um, on the bar or with the companion app, you can take it off and yeah, bang, take your snaps, away you go. Also use camera zero on Mac and PC too to use the drone shot. Um, you can get some really good shots with that. But uh, yeah. yeah, the hide HUD selfie uh, thing, yep, or the hide HUD in general, um, that's, that's nice. I, I like it, my use case, my number one use case, when the chat gets really, really chatty. You can just press yes. H <laughs> and you can disappear and you can ride your virtual bike in almost peace. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that chat gets noisy. Uh, Nathan, you love racing with, with no HUD. Well, I like it when everyone has no HUD. Like, that's fun. Because <laughs> <laughs> then, like, nobody knows what's going on mm-hmm. in the same way. So that's, the, like, the whole idea of having that uh, no HUD experience, but everybody has the no HUD experience, that's great. I do like having it um, at times to kind of work on, uh, especially with the new AI, this has been a huge talking point in a lot of the TTT and a lot of the racing community is like how much 
the new AI has changed the ability to kind of elbow people or even elbow your teammates a little bit too much out of the line, out of the pack a little bit, how to push somebody off a wheel. So if you turn the HUD off, it makes you ignore all that extra data um, and it forces you to actually interact with the game uh, with your controller, which is the power coming from your legs. And a lot of people, I think, focus too much on the watts per kilogram on the right or the watts in the upper left and don't recognize the depth perception. So it's actually a way to practice. It's really good for TTTs, hugely, hugely good for TTTs. And that's one of the most popular, obviously, race modes lately. So definitely suggest it for practice. Hmm. Well, it's just a slightly different way of playing the game, you know, which is is great. Um, it's... Um it's a piece of one piece of candy rather than a box of chocolates, I think, and, and maybe it's the box of chocolates that uh, that Swifters have really been uh, really been hungry for this this winter, uh, which may or may not be unrelated to the next little item on the list, because maybe something more resembling a box of chocolates might be coming in May, but. I can say no more because actually I don't know. I'm guessing wildly, but Swift has announced official Olympic endorsement. Uh, details are a little scant at the moment, but there will be a series of esports events held around. Here comes the clues with cast listeners held around the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, cycling is one of them, and Zwift, in partnership with the UCI, is the platform of choice. Now, those five Olympic rings are amongst the most coveted and the most fiercely protected logos anywhere in the world and apologize for uh, apologies for intruding into private grief shane because i know you've got a bit of um more <laughs> uh, legal grief uh, but we'll talk about that <laughs> towards uh, towards the end of the episode but anyway back to the olympic rings i mean companies pay millions for an association with the olympics as embodied by those five famous rings uh, Shane, we know this is the culmination of years and years and years of work, uh, patient work by Eric Min and many others. And commercially, this is a massive deal. Um, the sport needs to match that commercial promise and magnitude. Yeah, look, as you said there, you were hinting around something to do with Tokyo. Uh, does that mean we have to be vaccinated before we get any updates? <laughs> How are we going to prove that? Is, is that going to be on our Zwift power profile? I mean, I'm not sure if I'm... Anyhow, look, I think we're going to need more detail about this. I hope with this comes updates and improvements and enhancements to the core platform experience. Because to be honest, if it's just another few group rides, then it's not going to be much of a big deal. So I think more info is needed. But I think the hint there is in the Tokyo link. So let's fingers crossed for that. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, Nathan, the association with the Olympics, I mean, you know, I was going to say you can't buy that, but you can, actually you, you can buy that, but it costs you an enormous sum of money. And Zwift have kind of earned it. They're the only virtual platform in existence that crosses esports over into physical sports. I mean, mm. they've definitely earned the spot and it took that risk and they've definitely earned it that way. You don't ever feel like they associate in a, in a, in a directly private manner in the sports space, if that makes sense. I don't know if, if you know what I mean. Like there isn't an association with the NBA. NBA players will go play at the Olympics, but there isn't an association with the NBA directly. Like that's a private entity. And so yeah. There's a lack of commercialization with everything Olympics, isn't there? The, the logos, the sponsors and things change. So Zwift is a private entity um, and a for-profit organization. Nathan, I think you're right there. They may be looking around to say, well, you know, what, what platforms are doing the right by the community? What, do, what platforms are doing right by the sport um, as its pure form? Yes. 
Exactly. Exactly. It's about the sport in general. And so I think they want to make sure that they don't get become endemic yeah. to a private business and rather what is this virtual well, sport I, in general? And so I'm kind of like, huh, you know, this is going to become a very, very competitive space the moment that they do make this endorsement, yeah. I think, because it's on the table mm -hmm. now. And I think more people want to get at the table. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I know this is a longstanding point slash bugbear of, of, of Shane's that for Olympic purposes, e-cycling is Zwift and Zwift is a private company, not the NBA or the Football Association or any of the other kind of bodies around sport. But... Well, kind of well done, Zwift. Mm. You know, I mean, you, 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 you've engineered that position. So, uh, you know, well done, guys. Yeah. Um, anyway, we know very little about these events, um, but, but hopefully we will know more in uh, fairly short order. And it doesn't take a genius to think that if we're going to run eSports around an Olympic course that's in Tokyo, then there has to be... A Tokyo course. So hold on to your hat, Swift, as we may have new tarmac before too long. Okay, uh, next little personal matter, actually. Due to some weird bug in my Zwift, I can't currently return ride-ons on my main rig, PC rig, which is where I Zwift all the time at the moment. Uh, now, I don't get as many ride-ons as Shane, who gets about <laughs> 11 million every time he logs on, but some people are kind enough to offer friendly encouragement when they spot me grinding through some hideous VO2 max interval, uh, which is what passes for fun in my life at the moment. Um, and uh, that build-me-up training plan is either going to kill me or make me fitter, but I'm not quite sure which one's going to come first. Um, I do like to return the ride-on gesture, but when I click on the rider's name, who's just given me a ride-on, I get the menu button. That's it. I, I, I don't get that option to return the ride on. Uh, I've tried about three different mouses, mice, uh, but all the same result. And to be honest, I just can't be bothered to fix it, to be honest, or even find out what I need to do to fix it. Anyway, I know I could probably do it through the companion app as well, but my phone is usually flipping between companion, Spotify, and controlling my headwind. Plus, you know, VO2 max intervals, they don't leave much energy for... Um, or much bandwidth for messing about with screens and sweaty fingers. So, uh, long story, uh, if you are a Zwifter who's kind enough to give me a ride on and I don't give you one back, it's not because I'm being rude, it's because I'm suffering. And moving on, we thought Zwift Hub was closing at the end of the month. This is the third-party site, which is an encyclopedia. I knew I shouldn't have written this word. <laughs> encyclopedic resource, I got there in the end, of Zwift Worlds, Roots, Courses, Sprints, Climbs, Jerseys, and crucially for a lot of people, badges and achievements. Um, and it's filled a real void in kind of gathering stuff together that people like to know in one place. Toby, who runs Zwift Hub, has got a job with Wahoo. Well done, Toby, uh, in software development, which is what he wanted uh, and kind of why he started Zwift Hub in the first place. So good luck to him. Good job. Well done there, my friend. Uh, but then news was brought to us that Zwift Hub will live on. Our good friend Eric Slangier, Zwift Insider, has reached a deal to bring it into the ZI fold. It's in good hands there, Shane, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's a great site. Um, so on one hand, I'm super happy to see it live on. But on the other hand, it means I've got to do those other five badges I've been hanging out <laughs> and not doing. And there's no guessing, no prizes for guessing at all which five badges those are going to be. They're the long ones. Yeah. 
yeah, the long, the long hilly ones. I mean, uh, Shane brought it up there, Nathan. But this, I mean, it's, it's not me. I have to say, it's just it doesn't appeal to me. But it appeals to a ton of Zwifters. This whole batch hunting thing has become massive. Oh yeah, it's it's really great. Um, the in-game, you know, little icons that you can get. I really, really want them to make it so I can show them off though. Like you can have like a little halo over your head or some sort of like, I don't know, luminescence that here's like my 50 badges or like once you get like God's 50 of them, God's sake, you want like participation medal? <laughs> this is no, what we're talking about then, now, isn't it? Then, okay, wait a second, wait a second now. When you were on New millennial. You saw, you saw the 100-mile jersey, right? And the first people to get the 100-mile jersey, it was a big deal. Yeah, true, like true. 100K, yeah, the 100K people, they were kind of okay. Like they were kind of in Yeah, the but that's club, like you say, that's that a big really... deal. What, you want now a badge for doing three circuits of the volcano, for God's sake? <laughs> yeah, I want, yeah, I want like a special helmet, an earring. I want like a mohawk that says I did PRL 100 and won the race. Like I want all that stuff. I want to cruise around and people are like, that dude's freaking epic. No, he's not epic. He's legendary. <laughs> That's like, what the Tron bike is. Like, <laughs> oh, sorry, Simon. I didn't mention the Tron bike. No, everybody's got a Tron bike. Everybody's got a Tron bike. Wait, way except through. for one guy. Halfway one guy through. I know doesn't have a Tron bike. But everybody, I mean, that's old news <laughs> at this point. <laughs> well, do you know what my mom used to say to me, Nathan? I want never gets. I want, yeah, well, yeah, but gets always does though, right? So like, <laughs> I'm just asking for something I can go get. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, well, true. No, I mean, it's a good point, actually. The, the 100 mile kind of reward and the jersey and, you know, uh, was a thing. But yeah, yeah. wow. I'm sorry, you brought up how awesome badge hunting is, and I'm sitting here like whinging on. Like, <laughs> like, no, it is awesome. The events are really great. Don't ever put us all on We Can See Each Other laps of PRL 100 again, though, because the Box Hill conga line was horrible. But anyway, besides that, it was absolutely amazing. Really are really fun. Well, uh, moving back to the topic, uh, well done, Eric, for uh, for bringing uh, Zwift Hub into Zwift Insider. Um, as, uh, as we've concluded we'll be in safe hands there and um a lot of people would have missed it well done eric good work there mate okay another interesting little tidbit that fell out of the interweb spotted i think by dave higgins who runs the pc master race group on facebook in the uk there's a very popular tv show called dragon's den i think there are versions all over the world actually it's very simple format uh, someone with an idea enters a den to pitch for investment from the dragons, uh, usually hard-bitten and overacting entrepreneurs. Now, in 2005, for the heart of maths, like me, that's 16 years ago, a lifetime in tech, on Series 2 of The Long Running Show, a chap called Dave Rawlinson fetched up and pitched his idea. My product is called a Personal Trainer. Personal Trainer, in a nutshell, is a way of attaching home exercise equipment to a home personal computer in order to add to the incentive a person would have in order to use that exercise equipment. If we can transfer the exercise information to that PC, suddenly the world is our oyster. We, can, we have got 10,000 times the computing power to be able to show the user of the exercise equipment interesting information about literally what they're doing. Then we start being able to produce fantastic 3D graphics we start being able to offer our customers 
400 miles of countryside terrain to cycle over. So I've got to put my exercise bike next to my computer? Yes. Okay. So, so David, there. in my house, my computer is in my home office, so I've got to put my exercise bike in my home office? Yes. I, I think the biggest, the fundamental flaw is purely the fact that you've got to transport a computer system with all its cabling system, with all, everything plugged in, every time you want to have an exercise, you're making it even more difficult for me to train now as I have a problem with it at the moment. This is ridiculous, isn't it? And I'm not even going to waste my time and, and I, I'm not going to be investing at all. David, just to sum up where I'm at, not one for me, sorry. Okay. Quick bit of advice for what it's worth. It's free, so it's probably worthless, right? Get yourself a little machine that's got a screen on it that you can load your software into that people can clamp on the handlebars of their bike and it's got oh, it all yeah. built in. It might cost another hundred quid to do it all together as a box. You've got a product. If you did that, I might be interested. At the moment, I'm out. 3D graphics is not new. I've had these screens on my cycle classes and I've thrown them away. I've put disco lights in because they don't work. Watching somebody going around some mountains and down some hills and up some hills doesn't keep you from being bored after about the second time you're using them. You're just cycling down the wrong path and I'm not investing. I'm out. Uh, easy now, Shane, I think, to deride and mock the dragons for missing out, as they very clearly did. Uh, but 16 years ago, I mean, laptops were not really even a thing then. The idea of having several PCs in your home, one of which you could hoik into a garage or a shed or a spare room and hook a bike up to it, that was just a ridiculous idea. 2005 was very, very, very early for this idea, although Netathlon, one of the very first with precursors, I think started around 2010. But, you know, even that was five years away from 2005, and the development in tech over that point was just exponential. Anyway, I think the point is, you know, ideas have a time, don't they? Um, I remember uh, an interview with the Strava guys who said they actually had the, the idea for Strava like 10 years before they launched it, but they knew that the, the technology just did not exist to currently, well, it did exist actually, GPS, but it was not accessible to the public. But ideas have a time. Yeah, There is a time to go with them. That was a really interesting listen, and it reminded me of uh, when MP3 compression came out for audio, but we didn't have devices that we could walk around with too many of them on our, in our pockets. It was 32 megabytes. You could hold like five audio tracks. So when Apple came in and changed the scene with the iPhone and the, the solid-state storage, and then we had yeah, compressed music, it's, again, that's, that's back to the time and technology. The idea was there way before that, but we had to wait yeah. for things to come along. What I think was funny with that is they pointed out all the pain points of Zwift before Zwift was even invented, setting all the hardware <laughs> Is hard, yeah. this sort of, that's, yeah. it's, still, it's still occurring today, 16 years you know, after the fact that they define what all these issues were. But one guy in the panel there goes about defining exactly what Peloton is. What Peloton is, yeah, yeah. I noticed that. What you need is a little screen on your bike. Yeah. <laughs> so he should have painted that idea, but let's not talk about lawyers until the end of this yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a, a really interesting historical perspective there. Um, I mean, I tried to track down Dave Rawlinson, but I, I couldn't find him actually. But there was some follow-up on a on an Overclockers forum where he was um, very visible as a member, you know, a long time ago. Anyway, he reckons he had 130,000 hits on his site uh, within hours of that show being broadcast and eventually sold £43,000 worth 
of kit or or so he says um if you're listening dave i doubt you are but if you <laughs> if you are do get in touch because it'd be great to hear your story after that um the point being i think nathan with all of this swift was always going to happen because the demand was always there like shane said the hardware the computers everything had to catch up to be able to get there eventually and cycling was the easiest one to get indoor fitness moving uh, because really this is talking about indoor fitness. It's not just, just bikes, you know, it, or, or, or virtual fitness, you know, that, that really not just indoor yeah, fitness. The, the, the home me. as a gym. Yeah, yeah. Virtual fitness, online fitness, interaction with pixels in order to get you moving um, in some sort of way, an interactive way has always been a dream of every video gaming kid in some way, maybe not on the fitness aspect, because it's not a need that they know that they have until they get a little bit older, but definitely in the playing and interacting in, uh, in, in a virtual world. And then now you got this need, you got to stay fit. Of course, virtually is, is, is a go-to. So yes, it was definitely always going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are lucky enough to have Swift now, and the game is put to many uses by many people. It serves many purposes in people's lives. But this next purpose is one of the most impressive I've ever seen. I think this is absolutely brilliant. Cleats clack down a hallway as someone gets ready to ride inside. But this is really inside, within the walls of a Belgian prison. I'm actually an, an avid Zwifter. I'm a creative. I make campaigns in advertising. The whole thing about Zwift really triggered me to find an idea that involved Zwift. We had the idea to do an e-cycling team with prisoners. That's Friedrich Clarisse, a Belgian Zwifter. One of our clients is Decathlon. The mission of Decathlon is to make sport accessible for everyone, which uh, is a perfect fit uh, with this idea, we thought. We also took it to the prison and everyone really, uh, really loved the idea and uh, that's how it came about. One glossy video shot inside the prison later and the campaign was real. Sport makes you happy, makes you feel free. You stop thinking about these walls. When you took it to the prison, did they need any persuasion? Was it a, a, a difficult sell? Well, actually, I thought it would be a super difficult sell. From the outside, you would imagine it is a really hard to get in there with a creative idea um, that involves online things. Things that happen online in a prison is, is usually impossible. So I thought that would be the hardest part, but actually they were uh, super enthusiastic. It's perhaps important for some context for people in other countries as well to understand the place of cycling in, in Belgium's affections. I mean, you know, cycling is everything in Belgium, isn't it? It is. And especially this particular prison that we chose was in Oudenaarde, which is the heart of cycling in Belgium. They have all the those um, iconic climbs from the Tour of Flanders is really within a radius of one kilometer from this prison. So it's actually a, a perfect location. A team of six inmates, inevitably perhaps called Team Breakaway, volunteered to take part. I, I guess if you're a prisoner, then something like this is well. Why wouldn't you do it? <laughs> exactly. They they have they have really gone through some 
rough times uh, with with uh, the the pandemic. All the the sporting activity has been uh, more limited even than usual in the past uh, year. Um, so yeah, they were they were really enthusiastic, and and there are yeah a lot of guys who who want to be part of it. When you're in a cell all all day, this is really uh, yeah heaven. Decathlon, I imagine, and the wider public, they're cautious about being seen to be controversial. You might imagine that, uh, that some brands would have been reticent about something that could be seen. I, I must say that this is absolutely not my view. I believe that prison is as much about rehabilitation as it is about punishment. But there will be people who say, well, look, prisoners are just there to be punished. Why are we, you know, why are we giving them this kind of diversion and even entertainment, some people might say. Were decathlon, uh, were they tricky about that? Well, I, I have to give them uh, them credit because it is an incredibly bold and courageous uh, move in my view to to be going on with this campaign because there there was a chance that this would be a, a controversial thing. Uh, so you know, hats off to them that they uh, that they jumped, they took the leap. Yeah, it's it's also their view actually that sport is is more than just you know something fun, something entertainment. It has actually a role in people's lives. It can give you. Uh, you know, confidence, teamwork. Uh, it can limit aggression. Uh, you know, you name it. It has a lot of uh, benefits besides it's it just being fun. Yeah, and this campaign is actually a, a very effective way uh, to demonstrate that. Absolutely, and and it gives it gives prisoners a pur- a purpose. You know, perhaps a reason to uh, to reconsider the behaviours outside that led them to, to to be behind bars in the first place. It it does, and it it gives them, you know, some of them have problems to uh, manage their aggression of the or their their ability to cope with with things they don't don't have under control. And this this cycling thing and cycling on Zwift actually, you know, learns you learns you to cope. And there is a more short term purpose for Team Breakaway. They have six weeks to train for a race. The opposition, a team made up of prison warders and justice officials. One imagines that the motivation to win there is quite strong. Yes, and even our uh, Minister of Justice, the the Belgian uh, Minister of Justice, uh, has also said he he will uh, participate uh, in the race. So yeah, um, we talked with the prisoners about that. They are super super motivated to uh, to beat all these guys um so yeah it's it's a fun way to show like interaction between you know the two extremes the, the two opposites of the of the of the justice system and uh it really shows that that sport can bring you know all sides uh together and and you know swift of obviously plays a, a big role in that. Well, that's excellent. Uh, congratulations, Frederick, on a job well done. Uh, a really, really great idea and obviously brilliantly executed. And um, I hope it gets the results for everyone that um, that it deserves, which it looks like it's going to. Excellent. Really, really good work, my friend. Thanks very much. Well, I mean, I've, I've nailed my colours to the mast, uh, both during that piece and in the intro to it. I think this is brilliant. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Prison is not 
just about punishment. It's about rehabilitation. I'm a massive believer in in salvation through sport. I mean, the classic one, of course, the classic one, it's so classic, it's a, it's a cliche now, is, is, is boxing. You know, people turn their lives around through boxing, uh, and there are many, many stories around that theme. Um, sport can be a way out of all sorts of bad stuff, uh, and that is, is what makes me a great supporter of this scheme. I think it's terrific. Shane, are you going to get all kind of uh, Australian redneck on me? <laughs> uh, look, I appreciate that sport can provide a level of escapism, if that's a word that I can use here. But I've got I've got two questions, or maybe concerns. Why choose a platform that's known for providing a social experience? There's a lot of other platforms out there that provide an immersive cycling experience without that connectivity. And secondly, what would the victims of their crimes think of these inmates being you know, given a kicker or a neo and giving them this online connected social experience? I'm, I'm not sure about that. Look, I need to know a lot more of the details on the technical side of things because prisons are very different places and have very different rules to what we experience in our daily lives. So... I guess I'm on the fence about this, but I've also put a blanket on the fence because that barbed wire is quite sharp on the butt <laughs> as I'm sitting here. So, look, choosing to commit a crime uh, means you also choose to give up a lot of freedoms if you're caught. So, I don't know. I'm on the fence. Yeah, I can kind of see that. And obviously the victims, is you know, is a great point that you make there. But then I think the average victim of a crime thinks, well, do you know what? The person who did that to me, I'd much, much rather they didn't do that to somebody else. And if they can find some rehabilitation and a way to change their lives in prison, which means that they're not going to hurt somebody in the way they hurt me, then I'd be pleased about that. But I, I'm, you know, I'm putting words into their mouth, so I, I don't know that that's true. Nathan, um, I, I don't know how to start this discussion with you, actually, because I do know that, that you know, you had in your, in your pre-cycling life um, a little turbulence <laughs> and cycling helped you through it. The way you put it in the script was salvation through sport, redemption and salvation yep. through sport. So um, the, whew, I mean, it's a long, that's a long discussion. Uh, but yeah, early on, no, there wasn't a whole lot of leadership in my life. Single parent, family, mom, dad wasn't super involved, introduced a lot of um, leadership that I was looking for essentially out on the streets a ton on my own, 11, 12 years old. At that young, I started hanging out with kids who are 15 to 18 years old and using at that point. I mean, it's really young to start using, uh, at least in the 90s. I don't know about today. It seems like everything's getting younger and younger. But, um, you know, the from there, it was all the way until I was about 17. I ended up, you know, almost dying multiple times. Uh gone bad drug deals, the uh, flight for life, get my head kicked in. I mean, like I remember in that situation, my grandpa, um, uh, one of my main role models in my life. Now I'm being rolled out of a, a brain scan hematoma that, which means your brain is going to blow up going to children's hospital in the helicopter. My whole family's praying for me and thinking I'm going to die. You know, like that's, that's where I was living. And after that experience, I got put into a halfway house because there's a, thing in, Amer in, in Wisconsin, in the state called Chapter 51, where they say your um, home environment can no longer uh, provide authority in your life, and we have to take authority. We are taking the, the reins. And so then this, I was awarded the state, 
but not a prisoner, right? Like you, they're trying to like, how do we help this kid essentially? And then, um, essentially I I was, I was pretty smart. (laughs) I was pretty smart and was able to like, I had to see some psychologists and stuff and I, I convinced them I wasn't that bad <laughs> and I got put in the halfway house. Uh, but I was, I was, I was way beyond what, what the guy who said I should go to halfway. In my opinion, if I were the professional, I should have ended up not in the halfway house actually, which was perfect though, because my uncle, and it's, it's, it's actually this past year, for those that don't know, I've lost a lot of people this past year. I lost my grandpa, I lost my uncle two years ago and I lost my dad this year or last year in October. And all three of those people, um, were a part of of this rehabilitation through sport, through AIM, through what they introduced in my life. My uncle Rick br- came twice a week and introduced Gojuru Karate to me, as well as we start, started reading some Eastern texts, religion, asking big questions. And it was the AIM through the sport that actually gave me purpose. It was like something I could sacrifice to with ritual that gave me something to aim at that was bigger than myself. And we would start... Uh, seeing results from it and get a reward system out of it that was a greater good than me. And it got me out of that hedonistic, give me, give me like self-focused space and got me into bigger things. And that was actually kickstarted my mind. Even, even the fact that I talk in front of a microphone now, my speaking ability in front of crowds, because out of that and my uh, salvation experience, literally becoming a Christian at that time, I started giving my testimony in front of crowds, became a mentor. I mean, it was actually that experience that got me mentoring kids then in the same situations I was for eight years out of that. So, you know, it mm-hmm. is an entry point for sure to a stepping stone to things that are bigger than yourself through that ritual and sacrifice, I think, that you come to on a regular basis through sport. And, and sport, of course, teaches you to respect your body, which means you stop abusing it. Hundred percent makes it your your body's that uh, it's got purpose in a temple. Like your body's a temple. I mean, every religion teaches that in some sort of way, and and it res- the respect for it, how you treat it, it's always around mm. food, even too, and and what you know what I mean. Like there's this, there's definitely something very old to all of this that sport helps incorporate. I know people are like, "What are you talking?" But I really do believe that. Like there is. A, um, a greater good. And I talk about that, like, why do we have these celebrations the way that we do around these massive gatherings um, on, a, on a regular basis to go look at this pinnacle of this awesome thing that we can do and we give time to, you know, it's, it looks just like the same thing that people do with churches or temples. Or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, it's the yeah, same yeah. thing expressed yeah. another way, you know? Yeah. Well, well, sport can be a religion for, for lots of people. Um, with all that in mind and that backstory, I imagine you approve most heartily of this scheme. I'm, you know, I understand. So up front, I had the same like knee jerk response, the same kind of like, oh, okay, like, you know. And I'm not all about punishment. Like punishment, um, uh, you know, is 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 a form for rehab. Like it's form like, okay, there needs to be something, some sort of recourse for the same level of value broken, right? But the reason for that is to say, stop it. And go do something else, you know, like even yeah. if it's for everyone to look and be like, we can't do that, everyone, just so you know. Um, but yeah, I, I'm 100 percent all about um, the providing opportunities. The, the only thing is like um, it should be a good behavior program, I guess. You know what I mean? It should be a, a program given well, yeah, to those yeah. that obviously are looking for and doing, you know, and, and with that there, 100 percent, you know, at the same time, I also think, you know, limitations and and just being safe you know that that is a concern i understand that but outside of that 100 percent, and obviously with my own story i could see like this would be absolutely awesome for people um to to find purpose you know while they're in a place where they're thinking about what they're doing with their lives great way to do great way to 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 uh to do exactly that 
Absolutely. I mean, to, to an extent, rehabilitation in prison is about establishing new habits and new new behaviour patterns. And, uh, you know, speaking personally, uh, my participation in cycling generally leaves me so uh, fulfilled mentally and exhausted physically that the thought of going to do harm to anybody else or take anybody else's property, um, frankly, I, I just I wouldn't have the energy for it, let alone the moral or ethical uh, uh, aspects to it. Um, so I'm a supporter and uh, great to see that, you know, that was that was a single Zwifter who came up with that idea and it's been transformed into an advertising campaign. That's a whole other kettle of fish, you know, as to whether a commercial company should benefit from that, but then they back the scheme. So anyway, we, we won't go into that. Um, but well done to Frederick. I thought that was a great idea. Really, really, really well executed. Okay, well, uh, staying in sort of uh, reflective philosophical mood a little bit, um, it's been more than a year of COVID and lockdown. Terrible times we've all had to find a way through. Zwift has been a part of that for many of us. Um, and for those of us who are active and enjoy the outdoors, as Zwift decided, it has been especially difficult, um, which it must be said uh, has to be put in context because those tribulations are small beer compared to the awful suffering and loss that hundreds of thousands of people have endured. Nevertheless, this is something we'll never forget, and it has produced some very odd things. Amongst that, amongst them was the making into global superstars of two Labrador dogs, Olive and Mabel. Um, they're human. Andrew Cotter is a sports commentator by trade and bereft of work. He began commentating on Olive and Mabel's daily activities in a sports style. Uh, this is the two dogs fighting playfully over a bone. One paw to control and a switch. Now Mabel sensing this might be a chance, still waiting, still believing. And you wonder what Olive is doing here, only has to hold on. Going to the upright though, high tariff with no opposable thumbs, high risk at this stage. And it's gone and Mabel takes it. No mercy from the younger dog who takes this victory just as time runs out. A famous win built on patience and sheer belief. For Olive, only thoughts of what might have been, but only herself to blame. She's given this one away and that will hurt most of all. Well, it was a huge hit, and uh, the two dogs became lockdown stars. Now, as it happens, Andrew is a Zwifter, so he's a great guy with whom to have a chat about the past year of lockdown, and we started with, well, how it started. How amusing that I'm commentating on my dogs eating their breakfast. And that was it. Uh, that that video just took off. Um and then, then the, the video after it was even sort of bigger, which was them just playing over, fighting over a bone. Since then, lots of different things, online dating and Mabel getting scammed and uh, parody perfume ad and Halloween videos. They have been, for me, a, a sort of release and relief during, um, you know, a, a, a tough and odd year. And more importantly, I think for lots of people around the world, in particular, I would say North America, saying, we love Oliver and Mabel, and uh, can you do more of these videos? The thing is, Andrew, they were exceptionally well done. I mean, you know, it was kind of downbeat and a bit laconic. It wasn't kind of hyped up in any way. It's very gentle, I think. 
The best humor is is slightly deadpan delivery because then the humor stands out in contrast to that deadpan delivery. If you say, wacky, wacky, this is fun and funny, then people are going to say, is it though? I would say it's the equivalent of putting exclamation marks on a joke or putting uh, laughing emojis or something like that. Quite often, I've given a few interviews over the, uh, for written uh, interviews over the last year or so, and they always come back. My answers, they've put in about 12 exclamation marks throughout the paragraph, throughout the answer. And I say, please, could you remove them? because I that's that's just not me. I hate exclamation marks. They're the work of the devil. Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm pleased that you said that because it's that's kind of what I want. It's kind of just an ordinary mundane situation as I've done recently or commentaries as I did at the start. It's just dogs being dogs and um, and let other people provide the, the laughter. <laughs> the other thing that got you through lockdown as well as this newfound career as a comedian uh well, Zwift, you are you are something of a Zwifter, and obviously, you know, in the um, in the time honoured fashion of desperately trying to weave two disparate threads together, it's a classic Zwift story, yours in 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 many respects. I was always a little bit sniffy about Zwift, saying, "Yeah, but surely, you know, it can't be going out on the road." Well, actually, it does in so many ways now. I've totally changed my opinion of it and the value of it. And so I'm a recent convert. I only started. So this is lots of, uh, um, you know, seasoned Zwifters be going, who is this newbie? I only started when we moved house in the middle of um, December, probably the end of December, I think is when I got it connected up to Zwift. But uh, but since then, I've just, I mean, I've, I, I know the view from the top of Alp to Zwift very well indeed. And, uh, uh, it's but it's I don't know the uh, and I've just got my brother into it and um, we we've met up and we've cycled together and you know I haven't been able to go up to Scotland to see my my folks my family for months and months and months so it sounds a bit corny but it it helps you know young people and they're they're escaping into video gaming and you know connecting with each other over Twitch and in a similar way. You know, you, if you're really into your exercise, you can connect and you can escape into this virtual world. Now, there's, I don't know if anyone's into American Dad cartoon, which I am. Um, there was an episode where Stan Smith, the, uh, <laughs> the dad of American Dad, built this built this perfect miniature world, and he then shrunk himself to go and live in this perfect miniature world. And I keep thinking of that because I think I want to live in Zwift at the moment. I don't want to live in this real world that we're messing up so much. I want to live in a world where people just cycle past you and give you a ride on and a thumbs up and uh, everything's nice and perfect. So maybe that is the future. Absolutely. There's no traffic. There is a little bit of rain, but, you know, you don't get wet, so that's good rain. <laughs> well, you know, desperately trying to crowbar Mabel and Olive into the, into the conversation once again. Uh, I mean, do they obediently sit and watch you as you sweat your way up Alta Zwift? Uh, they do pad around in the, the, the garage I've got now. I've made a, I've made a home gym. Uh, in fact, I made a video of them trying to join the home gym, which was, which was one, of the, one of the more recent videos. Um, so they do pad around there. Uh, but then they get bored because they realize again that I'm just, uh, they have no idea what I'm doing. And you seem to be putting in a lot of effort here for little reward. You're not going anywhere. What's the point of this? Exercise for exercise sake seems strange to us. I don't have any idea what I'm doing, but if I could explain to them that it's just, it keeps me sane. You know, the serious part is how important exercise is at the moment. If I didn't exercise, I wouldn't be in a particularly good place. And and I'm one of the fortunate people in the world in terms of, you know, 
throughout this whole, you know, we're healthy, we're, we're you know, we're not struggling financially, thank you. And it's just, you've got nothing to be miserable about, but the whole state of the world makes you feel anxious and a little bit down. So I go out for a run or I go into this afternoon, I will go into Watopia and power my way around and I'll be joined by um, some German next to me. And I'll go, I don't know who you are, but for some reason I feel I must beat you. And <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's, it's very true. I mean, the, you know, the word used a lot, and and we used it when we were discussing just off mic before before this was was lifesaver. And actually, it's not too strong a word. It, I mean, it, it's certainly a mental health saver. Oh God, absolutely. I mean, exercise always has been for me, even before all this. But during this, I don't know what. Every time I go out for a run, uh, it it saves me. Uh, it, it, it's not too strong a word, lifesaver. It's not literally, not literally going to save, but. It, 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 you don't again. You almost don't want to. It feels as if we're sort of saying, "Oh, woe is me." But it genuinely, for the state of my mental health, I do more for my mental health than for my physical health. There's no doubt about that. If I've done a good session, and and you know, when you go on Zwift, you can knock out something really effective in twenty, thirty minutes. You know, when I was cycling in the real world, you go out and you do two hours, um, and you can still go and do that. But um, but you can get real quality in a short period of time, and then you you feel okay for the rest of the day. I, I'm absolutely delighted to hear that uh, that you've become such a, a convinced Swifter. I mean, it's always great to get a new recruit, and um, completely agree with with what you say about about the role that it's served for us uh, in this very difficult period. Um, last thing. Um, I just had a quick look at your website and incredibly thorough research for this interview. And I see we have a Mabel and Olive book. I did about 12 days sports broadcasting last year and I'm a freelance sports broadcaster. So like for many people, you know, you you, um, you don't have um, your normal income. So um, so writing the book off the back of the videos was a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a saver for me. Um, and my bank manager isn't hunting me down, but it was. I, I enjoyed writing it as well because it was just. A, it was an escape for me at a time when I couldn't escape. A lot of it is about ownership of dogs and my life with all of Mabel. But I escape with them in normal life so often into the mountains, um, and I haven't been able to do that. But I think what it is that I like more than anything else is an escape. And whether it's an escape into the micro world of Zwift or into the macro and massive world of the mountains at large, you know, they they, they both offer a bit of uh, a bit of uh, an escape and a bit of, I don't know, some sort of um, salvation for what we've got going on at the moment. Again, we're being dramatic, or at least I am. All right, been an absolute delight chatting to you. Good luck with the book. I'm sure it'll do extremely well. And uh, I am a fan, as I know many, many, many people are of your wonderful dogs and your excellent laconic commentary that has propelled them to such stardom. Thanks very much for your time. Cheers, Simon. Well, what a year it's been. Uh, But let's not dwell on that. Let's look forward. Um, Indoor season slowing down here, Shane, but of course speeding up in your part of the world. Um, However... A slight spanner in your works, a minor wrench in your mechanics. Um, uh, I don't know how much you want to say about this uh, publicly. We've had a bit of a laugh about it privately, but um, <laughs> it, it seems you're in the the crosshairs of those lawyers again, Shane. 
Oh, what is it? Why do I attract these people? <laughs> it's it's crazy. Last time it was Peloton coming at me for using the word uh, digital Peloton news. Uh, now this time um, it's about those little chevrons. It's a little logo that I've used. Now, to be honest, I like the kicker. I like the Wahoo kicker. I like the little the chevron design. And I put the little logo on the side of a T-shirt. Simple as that. And I've ordered uh, two T-shirts myself and up on Redbubble. It's just a little website you can just submit artwork to and put things up. That's been there for four years. I've had a total of, well, until the other week, I had a total of uh, four orders, I think, two of which were mine or three of which were mine. I mean, it's made me $10. That's it. That's absolutely it. It appears it's got the attention of a certain law firm in Germany who represent a company I've never heard of before. Um, And I've received this morning an 87-page cease and desist. Now, this is not just a, can you take it down, please? Oh, no, no, no. They've fully outlined with 87 pages of, actually, I don't know what, I didn't read it all, to be honest, it kind of set me to sleep at 3 a.m. Um, they're claiming uh, €3,000 compensation, Euro dollars, there we go. Um, <laughs> they, they've, they've had my account suspended on Redbubble with no further communication. And, and before all of this, they went and ordered themselves three shirts, doubling the sales I've had <laughs> on these shirts for a trademark that I didn't even rip off of theirs. It was Wahoo's trademark I potentially ripped off. It's an absolute mess. So I went through this morning and, and, and politely told them that I disagree in many more words than that. And I finished with any further communication, regardless of what your communication uh, contains, is an acceptance that the case is closed. That's what I finished with. So <laughs> I, I, I saw I that. I, I, I thought that, that, was a, that was a masterstroke. That was a complete masterstroke. <laughs> the sending of this email indicates that, as far as I'm concerned, the matter is closed, and your reply merely confirms that. Genius, Shane, genius. They made up their own rules. I make mine. I'm not a lawyer. And the way they acted, they don't appear to be lawyers either. However, it's one of the top IP lawyers out of Germany. So it's going to be interesting. Um, my other words will be uh, just two short words. Um, being an Aussie, you could probably guess what they are if I need to reply again. But again, as I said, if he replies, that's confirmation case closed. Well, done, I done. was frequently <laughs> unaware that uh, the chevrons, which you see on every single road sign in every single country all over the world, could 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 be copyrighted. Uh, including a company called Chevron, who uses the Chevrons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's a kind of stylized <laughs> thing, isn't it? I mean, these these were just like, you know, trying, pointy triangles. So um, yeah. uh, I'm no lawyer. I'm no copyright uh, IP expert. But it looks to me as though they're on shaky ground. They're on particularly shaky ground because they're not, in, in fact, pursuing a corporation with profits in the millions of dollars. They're pursuing a bald-headed <laughs> Australian who sells a grand total of 10 bucks worth of T-shirts. Um, I think they might have which half was theirs. They should have done a bit of uh, they should have done a bit of target research, I think, Shane, before they uh, mm. before they mm. put you in their crosshairs. Anyway, we look forward on uh, on the Zwiftcast to um, uh, to regular updates on on your battles with Germany's leading IP lawyer. Uh, good luck. Look, worst case scenario, I might be on prison Zwift soon. So yeah, just, just watch, watch me in team break away in Germany. Uh, we can rehab uh, you. Yeah. Yet, Shane, we got you, bud. We'll get you there. Uh, <laughs> um, well, anyway. a kicker. Oh, that would be irony. Good, good luck, Shane. Keep us posted. Um, uh, I will. And as the, <laughs> as the dark days, as the dark legal days, and the dark literal days descend on on Shane in upside down land, the the sunlit uplands of spring are well advanced for us. Nathan, you getting out on your bike yet, mate? Yeah, uh, you know I'm. 
I'm racing and the TTT is really addictive. Um, so I've been doing that on Thursdays, but outside of that, I try and get out on the weekends. It's been warm enough a couple of weekends. I kind of have to, the other thing that's really been awesome about Zwift for me is my allergies are so intense that. Yeah, mine about this year. Like, and I mean, like to where I saw an allergist for a solid two or three years, started the whole shots thing. We like, and it would affect my results so bad that. I almost had to like just not show up to certain races in certain areas where there was lots of pollen during certain times of years, but uh, we kind of got it under control, but I have to watch it. Like even today I'm kind of puffy from going out yesterday. So I don't necessarily do a lot of my harder efforts during this time or go out for more than three hours because when I get home, even if I have my medications for the allergies, I like get short on breath and my lungs will yeah. like, tighten really really bad and it gets scary like i've never been like go to the hospital scared but it's kind of like you're kind of knocked out for a day which so I, i've been getting out though and having a lot of fun uh on the mountain bike not so much on the road bike and besides that i'm uh smashing um four intensity rides uh, you know a, a week or so on zwift right now having a lot of fun with that too well, I'm glad to hear you're getting out. Um, sympathies as a fellow allergy sufferer. I thought I'd grown out of mine, but they, they, they've come back with a vengeance this, uh, this last couple of years, and it's, it's no fun, I must say. Um, Shane, indoor season starting for you, really, Australia. Looking forward to it. Um, your fellow Australians looking forward to it. Is the Australian community on Zwift still big and strong? Oh, it is indeed. Absolutely. We have to almost all year round because in summer it's almost too hot. In winter it's too cold. It's just the it's the perpetual cycling season on Zwift, which is really handy. Uh, look, yeah, I'm keen to see what's coming up from Zwift. I think we've hinted towards what should be coming up, hopefully in a month or two. I'm keen to see what they're doing with the Olympics anyway. So let's see what they do with that. Um, as for the hardware side of things, though, it's a bit dry at the moment. I'm not holding my breath for anything new. Um, and I think we can attribute this to the supply chain issues that are impacting almost every industry. It's unbelievable. Mm. Uh, a friend of mine tried mm. to buy a 1132 cassette and Shimano just couldn't find one. I mean, you know, <laughs> literally yeah. was not one available to buy anywhere. It's uh, it's incredible. Uh, so, yeah, look after your kit, Zwiftcast listeners. Uh, keep it lubricated and keep it clean because if it needs replacing, <laughs> it's uh, it's not too easy at the moment. Okay, well, that wraps that one up. Uh, Nathan, chance just to tell us about what you're most excited to be commentating on next well, in Community Live <laughs> area. Well, uh, what was really fun today was OJ Borg was on with me, and we had a really – I think we need to just start a podcast with that guy. That was a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, we've got the second half of ZRL Season 3, still four races to go. There's a lot of uh, parody, as Dave put it today. Uh, toll. Uh, so a lot of really tight racing in the second half of the season. We kind of have, um, you know, a, a break, I think, is going to be coming. I, I'm not positive, but it seems like a little bit of like everyone's thinking, uh, you know, outdoors a little bit more. Uh, definitely, you know, I think Zwift and training and using it, um, Everyone, you'll still be a part of people's lives. I think it, it's kind of just a part now. You know what I mean? It's like an all, like Shane was saying, an all year round thing. But you do notice that the numbers and the uh, the outdoor side of things is starting to take over a little bit more, even now. You're right. Certainly in the northern hemisphere, there is a kind of natural break around this time of year. I think even even Eric Min has been posting lots of outside rides. I, I noticed on his on his personal Facebook. I think there is a after the year we've had. There's a real. Um, thirst for, for for getting outside and a bit of freedom and away from away from screens nonetheless we cannot escape screens screens are very important in our lives and if we're in front of one screen watching one 
GP Lama YouTube video only this week, Shane, which I know will be in a very unusual position. One always leads to another. But if we were only to watch one, which would you recommend? Oh, I had a bit of fun breaking DI2 the other day. We saw GCN put out a video saying, you know, can we break DI2, Shimano DI2, by burying it alive and uh, and riding it through mud and water and swimming with it in the ocean. And it continued to change, you know, no problems at all because the video was sponsored by Shimano. <laughs> I, uh, I, I proceeded to show people how to break DI2 with a mobile phone and I completely destroyed it by uh, failing a firmware update. However, that was just the start of the video. A bit of clickbait there for to get people interested in what you can do. But recovering from that, you can do it with your mobile phone, which is pretty cool to see. Typically in the past, Nathan, you'd know this in the tech side of things, if you fail a BIOS update or a firmware update, it's good night and it's going to be very expensive. But the uh, the hardware nowadays survives that, which is cool to see. So that's probably an interesting watch from me. Mm. Um, other than that, Strava have come up with some 3D heat maps. So wherever you've been on Strava, Nathan, you're talking about riding outdoors, you can have a look at where you've been on heat maps. This is for subscribers only. And you can zoom around in 3D and see your heat maps go up and down hills. Oh, now, this cool. past weekend, I was in, up in the high country in Victoria here on my gravel bike and I was telling my wife, Vaughn, I said, Vaughn, I rode up this, what, it was an hour 15 up this hill straight from town. It was 15. Vaughn's like, I can't see. This. There's no hill there. Look, that's only a small little bump, but it was hidden behind a few hills behind that. So I got on this 3D mapping, heat map thing that Strava just released. I'm like, look, here's where it went. And she's like, oh. It's a cool little tool on that. Um, I'm looking to uh, put aside an 87-page document and get to work tomorrow rather than have to deal with that. And I'll get the video out on that one. It's pretty cool. <laughs> look forward to seeing it. Uh, firmware updates. Whenever I do a firmware update, I, I start to hold my breath. You clench? Yeah. <laughs> and I clench. <laughs> and I've, I've had so many bad experiences with firmware updates uh, that, that, that actually I, I now do them only if strictly necessary, particularly with anything to do with bike tech. Firmware updates and bike tech are just not great bedfellows. Nah, uh, live on the edge. Live on the edge. Yeah. Okay. Well, rather you, <laughs> rather you than me, dude. Okay. Well, on that uh, uh, clenching and breath holding note, I'll bid you goodbye and say thank you very much. Bye, fellas. See you next time. Cheers. See you guys. Cheers, guys. Talk soon. As ever, our grateful thanks to the continued support of Zwift for the Zwiftcast and the usual reminder that we decide what goes in the podcast, not Zwift. Thanks for listening.